Good evening. Welcome, welcome all and to uh, the public listening at home. This is the Cabinet meeting, Monday the 15th of July. Uh, before the official agenda, I believe we have a public speaker. And this is Mr. Hockley. Please take your place. Hi, my name's Hockley. I live near the waste transfer station at Great Dunmow. Ever since this opened in November 2015, we've suffered problems with odour, littering, and other associated problems with this depot. The problem we've got at the moment is the dust carts are dumping vast amounts of leachate on a road. This is compounded, once it's on the road, the lorries then spread it over a vast area, probably 400 yards or more. This is an Atlaswood problem that they should be cleaning the roads. They've got no scheduled plan for cleaning the roads. When we do complain, we get a little sweep that come up past our houses that's the cul-de-sac, not where the uh, dust carts go, sweep up and down, don't clean the road where the, uh, that goes up to the waste transfer station, complete waste of time. I don't know if it's supposed to placate us or not, but it doesn't work. So we end up with a total disgusting smell, not only for the week, but over the weekend. And if it doesn't rain, obviously that smell keeps going on. This is obviously a, an illegal operation, dumping leachate on the roads. Um, my question to you is, can we get an antisocial behaviour order against the drivers or UDC waste management? Um, it seems to be a perfect example that the police, the police um, have got down as an antisocial behaviour. As an inconsiderate neighbour, environmental damage, including littering and dumping of rubbish, inconsiderate or in inappropriate use of vehicles. As I said, that's been going on since 2015, and I'm afraid we've had enough now. Um, perhaps you could get back to us and let us know what you're going to do about it. Indeed. Well, thank you very much for coming along and... Uh making us aware of the, how difficult the situation. I could maybe just ask you a, a question. I know that there are issues about odour from the site itself, but you are very specifically talking about waste that's been dropped on the roads near to you before, presumably before it gets into the waste transfer station. When the uh, lorries, dust carts, drop the uh, waste... Obviously, if they don't get cleaned properly within the waste transfer station, all of that rubbish and litter gets scattered, radiating out from the place at Dumbo. My question to you is, what would happen if your litter teams go along, 
which is a dangerous operation, picking up litter from the side of the roads. And then it could be proven that that litter had come from your dust carts. Um, an, an interesting legal situation, absolutely, yes. And, and I think you know probably that there is a, <clears throat> a, a combined authority here in that we... Um, we collect the, uh, the waste and take it there, but it is then an, an Essex County Council uh, uh, issue. However, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to pass that issue. I think that we will certainly look at that, understand the problem, and we will come back to you then with, with an answer on, on how we can solve it, because it sounds as though it's unacceptable, and uh, we, will, we will do everything we can to resolve it. Okay. Thank you for Thank listening you. to us. Right, we come on to the um, agenda itself, to the meeting itself. So, first of all, uh, do I have apologies? Thank you, Chair. We've got apologies from um, Councillor Lees, yes. Councillors Dean and Councillor Oliver. Um, okay, I think that certainly should be added to Count Councillor Hargreaves. Um, who has passed on his responsibilities this evening. Declarations of interest. Okay, moving on then to the minutes of the previous meeting. Are there any issues with those minutes? Excellent, could I have a proposal that we accept those? Councillor Armstrong, seconded by Councillor Eek. Those in favour? Thank you very much. Uh, matters referred to the Executive by the Scrutiny Committee or by the Council. Uh, anything referred from Scrutiny? Nothing referred from Okay. Thank you. What was item three? Oh, I'm sorry, yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> I missed item three, Slight, slightly alternative order of play. Uh, questions or statements from the uh, non-executive members of the council? I believe there are none. Moving then to item five, consideration reports from... Could I just clarify? I, yes. I do have a question, but I prefer to ask it at the budget item. Um, that is absolutely uh, acceptable. Thank you. Thank you. Moving on then to reports from the overview and scrutiny committees. Are there any reports? A uh, number of brief items to report, uh, Councillor Lodge. Um, as you previously been informed, scrutiny set up a working group on planning obligations under the chairmanship of Councillor Evans. It has also set up a working group on major applications under the chairmanship of Councillor LeCount. That will not be undertaking any substantive work until the Stansted application has been completed, other than to receive advice and guidance from the Planning Advisory Service on general matters of best practice. Um, as you have made clear, the governance of the Council will be a full Council matter, and so will not be coming to scrutiny when it is considered. We would also welcome um, communication with Councillor Fairhurst as he undertakes his work on the Council's investment portfolio over the coming year. 
Um, I'm not quite sure what we mean by communication, but we'd like to be kept abreast of developments. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I've written to Mr. Harbour today, as you're aware, uh, concerning some apparent and alleged breaches of UDC constitution in respect of various matters uh, regarding probity in planning. Those are within the remit of scrutiny. Uh, the other matters that were referred to me, I have referred to Councillor Merrifield as chair of planning committee. And as you're also aware, a resident of uh, Councillor Pabbott and my ward has written to you about various matters in respect of the statements of community involvement. And we will come back to that. That's an item on the agenda on the final one. Thank you. So just a question. It's obviously very early days. Uh, are there any comments as yet from Mr. Harbour on that letter? I suppose it's very early days. Yes, Chairman. Um, I will be consulting Mr. Pugh before responding to uh, Councillor Griffin. Okay, that said, I presumed it was uh, early. Um, from the um, overview committees, then, um, Councillor Harbour isn't here, so I don't know whether we have a substitute. Is that the report from GAP of this? Um, is that normally part of the uh, agenda on uh, on item six, the overview? Uh, that's, that's purely the scrutiny, but we normally have. done one, Councillor Oliver. Um, I don't think it's met, actually. had a brief training session. Okay, so not, nothing about Okay, fine. Item six, report of delegated decisions taken by Cabinet members. So you reported at the last meeting about the purchase of property under the HR rate. Indeed, yes, so that's not an item. That's not a new item for this, no. Reports on assets of community value. There are no reports on assets of community value. It's a standing item. Okay, fine. We are whizzing on through this. So we get on to a more substantive issue of the budget outturn. So as uh, Councillor Hargreaves is uh, not present, I would ask uh, Councillor Fairhurst to, uh, to speak to item eight. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. As you said, I'm presenting this on behalf of Councillor Hargroves. I want to make a particular point of note to thank the officers for the effort put into this. Um, I've been thoroughly briefed, but I'm going to read from this process, and uh, any questions, please, I'll take them later. Um, probably deferring to the officers for, the, for specific and more technical questions. Um, agenda item eight, budget final art turn, is in front of members. This report provides details on the Council's final budget position for 2018-19 for the General Fund, Housing Revenue Account and the Capital Programme. Please note that the figures provided are still subject to the final external audit and are subject, therefore, to adjustment. Members will be provided with an update report if this is the case. I'm going to take you through each item point by point in the report. First heading, General Fund. General Fund is a final year-end underspend, underspend, are 322,000. A summary of the budget is shown in paragraph 10, giving the original budget, the actual spend, and the full year variance. A detailed budget summary can be seen in Appendix A, and it's quite a substantial appendix, which will also provide a breakdown of the budget, spend, and variance by service areas. Direct services are underspent by 2,700 million, of which 1.9 million is related to reserves funding allocated to the reserve budget for specific projects which were underspent and additional grants received. It actually mentions in the end, received in that year, that will be carried forward. 
The main one being 750,000 was received from MCLG to support the delivery of the garden communities, which we are all aware of. An analysis of the variances and reserve adjustments are shown in paragraph 13. Corporate costs has a net underspend of 6.013 million. And the key item is a slippage related to new, the new depot site that we all have just heard about. This was a net nil effect as it's funded from reserves and you will see a contra entry in the reserve section so they balance off. This will also be shown in the capital program as slippage. More de details are provided in paragraph 14. So the money is there and the project is still on. Funding has achieved a higher income return than budgeted and this is due to the business rate section, 31 grant received, where government reimbursed the local authorities for the discretionary business rates relief scheme. This is based on the actual amount of received, re reliefs awarded. Reserves at the beginning of 2018-19 financial year were 14.963 million, but after closing the of the accounts, the total reserve balance is 17.098 million. The overall net increase of reserves of 2.1 Reserves final balance does not include the 2018 surplus, as I mentioned, over 2022. And it's recommended that this is added. This is the recommendation for tonight. That it is added to medium-term financial strategy reserve as set out in paragraph 18. There's a reason for that. The table in paragraph 17 shows the change in use of reserves 2018 from budgeted actual and corresponds to my earlier comments on the services and capital financing sections of this report. A full breakdown of reserves can be seen in Appendix B, which you will have. The HRA, or Housing Revenue Account, HRA is an overall budget surplus of 13,000. And the net operating out turn of 55,000 is an increase of 701,000 net expenditure compared to budget. It's not bad on that scale. A summary of the budget position is shown in paragraph 19, and a more detailed analysis is included in Appendix C. The key factors that contribute to this are... Housing rental income is reduced by 209,000 due to a high level of void properties. In the main, this is where redevelopment schemes have completed later than anticipated, and properties have subsequently been let rather than expected, later than expected when setting original budgets. Housing repairs has increased costs of 284,000 due to difficulties in recruitment of staff, and this led to repairs and maintenance work having to be carried out by external companies. So the reserves at the beginning of the financial year were 5.377 million, and the final year end net drawdown was 2.834, leaving a total reserves balance of 3.029 million. The table in paragraph 22 provides a full summary of the reserves. This does not include the 13,000 surplus, and it is recommended once again in paragraph 22 that this is added to the potential development projects reserve. Capital program. The budgeted spend of this capital program for 2018-19 was 20.091 million, which includes items slipped from 2017-18. The final actual spend was 9.240 million. The net underspend of 10.851 million is made up of 11.034 million slippage and an actual overspend of 183,000. The slippage requests are listed in the table, paragraph 24, and full details of the capital schemes are shown in appendix D. This includes a table on how the schemes are funded and details of one of six, Section six, 106 agreements. Any questions, then I would ask you immediately. The recommendations are effectively three of them to be asked of this Cabinet. One, approve the 2018-19 outturn position as set out in this report. Two, 
approve the reserve transfers and reserve balances set out in the report in paragraph 1718 for the general fund and paragraph 22 for the housing revenue account. And three, approve the capital program slippage requests as detailed in paragraph 24. Might I suggest that um, we stop there at, at item number eight. For any questions, I must defer to, to the officer in charge. Thank you, Councillor Fairhurst. Questions on, on, uh, on the budget outturn and any of the three proposals? Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I, I'm really glad we left you in such good shape. You've got to keep it there. Um, well, we've been saying that about the Labour government for years, but uh, it's a pretty good outturn, so I do thank the officers very sincerely for that. Oh, sorry. It's right down here. Yeah, it's fine. Is it coming through? Okay. Um, so I do thank you. I did submit two questions earlier, which I would like the responses to. So the two questions are, what is the income from Chesterford Research Park to the District Council in the last two financial years, and what is the projected income in the current year? Can I please have gross and net figures and detailed workings? And the second question is, what was the balance of the Strategic Initiative Reserve as at 31st of March 2019, and in light of the advice given at Council recently, has the administration frozen this reserve? Thank you. Um, Councillor Fairhurst, are you deferring to Ms Knight on this one? Yeah. Um, the 2017-18 net income from um, via CRP to Uttlesford is £1.476 and that's made up of um, service costs which relate to broker fees for the um, in-year borrowing. Um, we've got service income, which is officer time that we recharge back, of 30, just short of 32,000. Um, the actual cost of borrowing is 200 and just short of 260,000, and then the actual income was 1.721 million. So we end up with a net income of 1.47, just short of 77. Okay, in 18-19, the broker costs were 11.6... It's 11,600. Sorry, I'm getting mixed up with my millions. Um, Office at time was 64,000 we recharged back. Um, the cost of the cost of borrowing was um, just short of 368, and the net income was um, 1.914 million. Going forward, I don't have the breakdown of broker costs and officer time yet, or the cost of borrowing, but the net figure is 1.7 million anticipated for 1920. I can get a breakdown of those costs to you at a later time. And in 2021, when we expect building 60 to come online, um, we expect it to go up to 2 million, and that would be the net figure. That would, that would anticipate, both of those yeah. figures would anticipate costs. Okay. Thank you very much. And, and Second part? Yeah. Reserve? I'll, I'll take the second part, Chairman. The, the balance of the SIF at 31st of March 2019 was 2.16 million. However, since then, 500,000 has been granted to Carver Barracks, leaving a current balance of 1.66 million. Following the decision taken by full council at its meetings on 28th of June 2019, the Section 151 officer myself has advised the administration that until such time as the potential financial consequences of the decision can be quantified, no commitment should be made from the Strategic Investment Fund. And that's the position at the moment. Councillor Barker, are you content with the responses? 
Um, yes, I am, and I'd ask that those are minuted in Indeed. detail. Thank you. And I hope that um, particularly the first one on Research Park will inform our discussion tomorrow night. Thank you. Um, and indeed, the, um, the administration are uh, taking note of uh, the 151 officers' uh, suggestions on the, uh, on the Strategic Investment Fund. Any, any further questions on the budget outturn? <laughs> Councillor Light, yeah. Thank you. Uh, yes. Um, I would just like to know some, uh, some very simple figures, as in um, the uh, actual income and the expenditure. Just some simple lines, if that's possible. Thank you. Of, sorry, of, of, of what? Could you be a bit, maybe a bit more specific? You're talking about the, uh, the current year, the previous year, current year, the, the, uh, the future years, which. <laughs> the previous year. The year we're referring to. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, and then for the, that, that's for, for, for Chesterfield Research Park or for the uh, for the overall uh, overall overall council. Okay, thank you. Sorry, yes, Councillor. I know we we spoke briefly earlier about this question. I didn't realise you actually wanted specific figures. I thought you wanted a breakdown of how it was made up between income and expenditure. Um, so basically, the income, the income is made up of um, government funding, which is new homes bonus, and um, business rates retention, although it's government funding. The business rates retention is collected locally, but we are obliged to pay some back. Um, fees and charges, investment income, and council tax. The expenditure is made up of our direct service delivery. Majority of that is um, staffing costs, but there's obviously, you know, the general um, cost of delivering the service. Um, then you've got the capital programme that we have to finance. We also have a pension fund that we have to fund for the lifetime of employees, um, and we pay out grants. And then there's all the aspects of the maintenance of buildings and, and the um, motor fleet. Is that enough? Yep, thank you. Uh, could I ask you when you have a moment to, um, to actually add some figures to those? But thank you very much at your leisure and can circulate that to councillors. Yes, of course. Th there, there is a summary analysis in um, Appendix A, which will give you um, an awful lot of that detail. But the only bit you'd be missing is the breakdown of the ser actual service income and expenditure. Yeah. Councillor Fairhurst, then Councillor Foley. Yes, Mr. Chairman, just um, if not, not questions, just that we need to approve these three items. Indeed, Item. indeed, but we're having the debate on this course, and then we'll, we'll come to that. Councillor Foley. Thank you. I thought this might be just an, an appropriate time to ask this question. The administration, the administration now, um, but before me, uh, the same concerns about this, these particular uh, investments. Um, have your concerns been allayed, or do you still have the same concerns you had before May? So that's that's a question of the current administration. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think it's it's safe to say that um, since we, uh, we we took control of the council, we've had a closer look at the investments. Uh, and this is not a, a universal answer, but I know that, that one or two people who are closer to finance and strategy have looked at them, and I believe they were, they were encouraged by what they saw. 
That's not quite the answer. No, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, no, sorry. Councillor Foy, do, do say it again. Can you say what? How, how does the current administration feel at this point after getting the information back? Are you comfortable with the situation as it is at the moment? Um, yes, I think we are significantly more comfortable than we were. I don't know the Council Fair has, uh, as that's very much in his portfolio, wants to say more. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Yes, I think we had some real issues with the investment um, um, as it was presented to us. Um, and we, the, the biggest issue really was a question of, of detailed governance um, and procedure rather than anything else. Um, and I believe that our officers have been working very closely with us to, to sort that out. We will be arriving, um, hopefully in the very short term, with a, an investment protocol, a revised investment strategy, and an investment um, board, as we've been asking for the last couple of years. So um, at the moment, I think we're, we're in, in the process of achieve, arriving at a much more satisfactory and much more safe environment. Um, but um, I'll let you know more when I know more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Any further questions or comments on item 8? Okay, so we, uh, we're being asked to um, approve the outturn position set out in the report, approve the reserve transfers and reserve balance, and approve the capital program slippage as detailed. Would you like to propose that? Yes, Mr. Chairman, I so, so propose that we, that we look at all three at one time. And okay, yes, all, that's, that's for all three. Count, second by Councillor Asker. All those in favour? Thank you. Then on item nine, the council tax support scheme. Again, this, this, this is the, uh, the evening for the uh, portfolio member for, for finance, who is uh, for this evening, Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Agenda item nine, local council tax support scheme proposals 20 to 21. This council is required by legislation to carry out an annual consultation on the proposals for the LCTS scheme. By way of background, LCTS was introduced in April 13 to replace council tax benefit. It was a central government initiative to encourage people back to work and implement a scheme where working age claimants were required to contribute to their council tax even if they were unemployed. Government protected pensioners from the scheme and they still receive full benefit, a portion based on level of income. Local authorities were given some discretion on setting other elements of their own scheme, contribution rate and extended protection. To be more specific, in our scheme, the Council adopted a scheme where LCTS was introduced in April 2013 to protect the vulnerable, the disabled, and not liable to pay contribution rate if their income is below the qualifying level. The Council scheme is detailed in full at paragraph 8. UDC has the lowest contribution rate of any authority at 12.5% for working age claimants. The highest rate in Essex is 30%, which is quite a difference as shown in the table in paragraph 9. This means that the highest council tax reduction available is 87.5% and, and then this is calculated proportionally to levels of income. UDC's contribution rate has been frozen for four years. The tables and graphs from paragraph 10 to 12, this shows that the number of claimants has reduced since the introduction of the scheme until 2018, although you will see an increase in the 2019 caseload, and we think this might be attributed to the introduction of a universal credit. The cost of increasing the scheme by 2.5%, and that's just as an example, 
would generate an additional income of 32,261, of which the council retain only 4,500. This is shown in the table paragraph 15. The table also shows the impact on a claimant, which is really where it matters, obviously, um, who receives a maximum benefit, 41,000 a year, equating to 80p a week. The total cost of the scheme to the council is £380,021. Again, this information is shown in paragraph 26. The consultation timetable is set out in the table at paragraph 29, and the responses will be presented to Cabinet in the autumn. So if there are any questions, um, I will then read out the recommendations. Questions? Members, in that case, you may read out the recommendations. Mr Chairman, it is recommended to approve the following draft proposals to inform the Local Council Tax Scheme consultation for 2020-2021. Firstly, the 2020-2021 LCTS scheme is set out on the same basis as 1920 scheme, and therefore the contribution rate is frozen for the fifth consecutive year. And two that the Council continues to protect vulnerable and disabled residents and carers on low income. I ask that that be... I presume that's then Councillor Fairhurst's proposal. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Light, thank you. All those in favour? Thank you. Carried unanimously. And yet again, for... Councillor Fairhurst, Treasury Management out, turn item 10. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Agenda of item number 10. Treasury Management final out turn 2018-19. This report provides members with information on the performance of the local authorities' investments and cash flows, its banking, money market, capital market transactions, the effective control of the risks associated with those activities and the pursuit of optimum performance consistent with those risks. The Council's Treasury Management activities underpinned by SIPFA's Code of Practice on Treasury Management, which we'll call the Code. The Council's net borrowing, as at 31 March, was 102 million and is shown in table format in paragraph 11. The net borrowing is made up of the HRA's self financing loan of 84.5 million. The 12.5 million for, for our investment in Aspire CRP Limited, made up of 10 million from the first tranche of funding from the Phoenix Loan, and 2.5 million of internal cash balances, plus short term borrowing from other local authorities as part of the operational cash flow management. This is offset against 14 million of short term investments and cash and cash equivalents. The average rate of interest for 2018 19 of the Council's short term budgets was 75 basis points, and for short-term investments, 45 basis points. A full list of all the cash flow investments and borrowing is shown in Appendix 6. Appendix C, sorry. Appendix A is a technical document that adheres to the reporting criteria specified in the SIPFA code and is largely provided by external Treasury consultants, consultants Arlene Close, and provides an external context to the financial markets, economic background, and interest rate exposures. It's worth reading. Appendix B provides further information on our financing requirements of both the General Fund and the Housing Revenue Fund. The Cabinet, Mr Chairman, is recommended to approve the 2017-18 Treasury Management Outturn, Appendix A, and Associated Prudential Indicators, Appendix B. Thank you, Councillor Fairhurst. Questions? Comments? 
Councillor Barker. Um, can I just clarify, Chairman, Table 3 borrowing position that the minus 2 million is the repayment of the housing revenue account loan? Sorry, I'm up to page 26. Where we show public works loan board go down from 86.5 to 84.5 million? Yes, it is that. Thank you. Thank you. Questions? Comments? Thank you. Presume then the acceptance of this by Councillor Fairhurst. Can I have a seconder, please? Councillor Eek. All those in favour? Carried. Thank you. And then I think this may be the final point for Councillor Fairhurst. Officer write off, item 11. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Agenda item 11, Officer write off. 2018-19. This report details officers' decisions under delegated powers to authorise write-offs in line with the Constitution and the financial regs. Officers have authority to write off individual debts up to a maximum of £10,000. Debts over this value must be presented to Cabinet for approval. The total value of debts written off for council tax, business rates, rental income and housing benefit overpayments is 241,469, of which our share is 157,379. Let me repeat that again. The total write-off is 241,000, of which our share is 157,379,000. And a breakdown of these accounts amounts can be seen in the table in paragraph 8. The council collects in excess of 106 million in council tax, business rates and housing rents. We have the highest collection of rate in Essex for council tax and our seventh highest for business rates. The highest collection rate in Essex for council tax and the seventh highest for business rates. Paragraph 16 and Appendix A provides links and details to all our recovery procedures. There are no items associated with the report to approve, but the Cabinet is recommended to note. Please note the contents of this report. Thank, Thank you. you again, Councillor Fairhurst. In fact, I've noticed it's not quite your last one. But uh, Questions? Comments on the Treasury? I can remember in recent years I was one person who came up with the uh, awkward questions here, but uh, I'd, I'd, I'd leave, leave that to other members of the Opposition. No comments? Proposed by Councillor Fairhurst. Can I have a seconder, please? Councillor Oscar. Thank you. All those in favour? Carried, thank you. And so, sorry, yes, the, um, the appropriation of the land, whilst a slightly different theme, is nonetheless still Councillor Fairhurst. Hmm? You haven't... Okay, well, sorry, it was again, it is, the, uh, it is in fact the portfolio of the, uh, uh, the portfolio holder for finance um, and budget. And so this is, I'll, I'll just go through that, and it's um, comments requested to approve the appropriation from the UDC general fund by the HRA, HRA account for the development site in Thaxted Road for 1.02 million and this is for the provision of an affordable housing scheme. Certainly members of the, count of the Cabinet have looked at this in the past, and I know that we were comfortable um, with that. 
Are there any further comments or questions from uh, members or other people present? Okay, I will propose the, uh, the approval of that uh, transfer. Can I have a seconder, please? Seconded by Councillor Armstrong. Those in favour? Thank you. That is passed then. On then to the statement of community involvement, which, um, as planning is in my, uh, my own portfolio, so I'll speak briefly to this. This is a, um, a long carried forward item, if you like, um, as part of the, uh, the extended planning process, the statement of community interest has been uh, produced and revised. There's been a significant consultation of this and in fact the consultation was back in January and February of this year. It then came to the plan policy working group in March and it was resolved there to recommend to the cabinet that the statement of community involvement be adopted subject to amendments set out in the report. I have some further comments to make on that, but before I do, I'll throw it open to the floor for questions and comments. May I please, Chairman? Indeed. Thank you very much. Um, Councillor Gregory, sorry for the uh, recording. Resident of Councillor Pavitt and my ward has expressed some profound concerns about this matter, and I believe has written to you Indeed, yes. on it and there has been quite extensive correspondence with officers over some months. Um, that resident asserts a lack of truthfulness in some of the documentation that has been produced Indeed. by the council and that rather severe allegation does appear on the first scrutiny to have some basis to it um, to give you just one example that has been brought to my attention, if we go back to the AECOM work on the sustainability appraisal review, um, officers have informed uh, members and residents that AECOM were appointed on the 29th of August to review the sustainability appraisal can you confirm whether that is correct or not, please, Chair? Um, I will defer that to the Chief Executive for confirmation. Well, if it is based on accurate uh, information, and of course I accept without reservation that uh, statement, um, one would wonder why there was a payment to AECOM on the 4th of July for £4,260. Um, what on earth were they being paid for before that work started, I think mm -hmm. would be of interest. And um, very interestingly, um, the resident in question has listened to the November 2018 audio minutes of the Planning Policy Working Group, where you spoke eloquently, I am informed. And stated that um, AECOM had been working on the sustainability appraisal review between June and November 2018. At no time, apparently, when you made that statement, which you believe to be true, were you corrected by either the leader of the council or the officers at that time. Um, this is just one example of 
a lack of transparency that this particular resident feels has been the case in some of these matters which they've raised under the guise of this particular item. And I must say, having looked at it only very superficially, as has, as has Councillor Pavitt, we do share this resident's concerns and issues of a apparent or perceived lack of truthfulness by this council do really go to the very heart of our relationship with our residents. Indeed, thank you. I said I was going to come back with a couple of points. That was one of them. I'll just hold that for the moment then to see whether we have any other, any other points on the statement. Members? Any other opposition members? No. Okay, fine. Um, I was going to come back with, with, with two major points on this. One was that those of you who were at the um, inspection uh, the, the, the week before last now, the first, the first stage of the inspection, would notice that there were um, concerns about the legality of the consultation, particularly on the focus changes. Now then, obviously, on, on that point, this is now with, with the inspector. Um, and I would rather imagine that, um, contrary to any other actions, it will stay that way. I think I may say I was maybe um, a little surprised that the inspector didn't, didn't respond to what was effectively a legal challenge over the, uh, the process. But um, I think we may have found that she has wanted to listen to the evidence and take that away and come back with that. So I think that that element... We will leave, and we will leave for the, 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 um, the, the further feedback from the inspector. This, this was the second point which um, I was going to raise, and which I think, uh, obviously, we've read, the, we've read the notes of the meeting. We've seen the, uh, the concerns that that resident has raised. And I think the point that you raised was that ACOM were doing some work, we understand, from, uh, from late June, um, I believe that members were unaware until probably late October. I think the question which I asked at that PPWG was of the then leader as to when he was aware of it, and, and uh, he told me that it was just a, a, about a week before we were. So, yes, we do, do have some concerns, and the issue that Cabinet may, may wish to consider is, is how we progress on that, I said, leaving, leaving, leaving the one question aside for the inspector, uh, perhaps members may wish to, uh, to give their comments or input or feedback on, uh, on the uh, conduct particularly of the, the ACOM work in the second half of last year. Any further questions, comments? I think we're all aware of the situation. I don't know. Newer members may, may not be. I think existing members were, were aware of the, uh, the PPWG work. So, no comments? Okay, well, a point that I put, put out then there is that would, would this perhaps then be uh, an appropriate subject for, for scrutiny to, uh, to look at? Um, I think that um, the resident possibly raises some some concerns which we also would have questions about. Um, comments from members and would they think that this was an appropriate subject to ask scrutiny to look at? Yes. Okay. Fine. 
I think that that is probably as far as we would, we would go on that. And if I could just ask the Chief Executive a question. Okay, so I think that where we've, uh, where we've come to is that um, uh, we can adopt the statement of commu community uh, involvement, which is the part one of my recommendation. However, we are going to ask scrutiny to, to look at the, the work which ACOM did, the commissioning and the, the payments thereof. Um, that is a proposal from me as um, portfolio holder for planning and as chairman. Could I have a seconder on that? Councillor Pepper, thank you. All those in favour? All those against? No, sorry, was that an abstention, Councillor Light? It was. So we have five and one, one abstention. Well, the, the question was to refer it to scrutiny. So ju just for clarity, you know, I'm very happy to take an abstention, but the, the, the proposal, the second part of the proposal was that we refer it to the scrutiny committee. Yeah, just for clarity then, it's the, uh, it's the question of the sustainability analysis which has been referred. So just to be clear on this, a dual proposal, those in favour? Those against? Abstentions? Councillor Light. Okay, thank you. Carried. Uh, grant schemes and awards. Uh, this is in fact in uh, Councillor Gerard's portfolio and it sets out for members a number of grant allocations totaling almost 600k. Uh, in fact, I have, I, I have to make a, a declaration interest of my, uh, of my own here in that uh, I am a trustee of Saffron Hall, who were a beneficiary. My wife works for the Uttlesford Volunteer Centre, who were also a beneficiary. Moving on then, the main grants are detailed in paragraph 5, and the, um, um, then elaborated in the following uh, paragraphs. This report is for noting only, as a, the grants have been made. Councillor Barker. Um. Oh, no problem with it being Councillor Gerard's portfolio, but it does say Councillor Hargreaves on this. Well, um, I, was I was corrected here at, okay, at the start right. then, so uh, perhaps the Chief Executive would like to comment. Um, I'll, I'll deal with it, Chair. That's my mistake. Um, it was put down by... I've just come back from holiday, so the report was written prior to my going on holiday, uh, where there was still some clarification being sought as to exactly who was responsible for which. Um, under the new cabinet structure, the grant schemes cross, cut across a number of portfolios, whereas in the previous administration it tended to sit with one. Thank you. I think it would be useful if we all got to see exactly what sat in which portfolio. Indeed. It is a little bit more complex than, than uh, previous years, but it will be published shortly, yes. Thank you. Can I have um, a... It's only for noting. Okay, thank you. 
We're then on to um, a rather strange item for uh, an area of the country, particularly Saffron Walden, which is about as far from the sea as you can get in this country. But the uh, Essex Coast Recreational Disturbance Avoidance and Mitigation Scheme, Councillor Pepper. Councillor Pepper. Your... your uh, Okay, fine. Maybe we could ask uh, Councillor Harbour then to, uh, to give a brief yeah. input on this. It's a quick election. Yeah. <laughs> apologies, apologies, Mr. Harbour. Yes. So, uh, yes, Kepler. Um, Natural England has identified a need for a scheme to mitigate the impact of recreational pressures on a series of important environmental assets forming part of the Essex coastline. It's worked with 11 local planning authorities within Essex to prepare a suitable scheme. These are the councils within the zone from which surveys show there is a propensity for residents to visit parts of the coast designated for special environmental interest. The scheme involves a series of management measures to avoid and mitigate disturbance to bird species and vulnerable habitats, which encourage visitors to act responsibly while enjoying their visits to the coastal sites. There is a cost to operating these management measures. Natural England is seeking planning authorities to adopt the recreational avoidance and mitigation strategy uh, in accordance with the scheme, collect developer contributions through the planning process towards the operational and administrative costs of running the scheme. This is justified on the basis that residential development leads to increased population within the zone of influence and greater visitor numbers. It has a statutory basis in the habitats regulations, but also needs to be subject to a supplementary planning document. The document needs to be the subject of consultation before it can be adopted if it is to be attached weight in the planning system. The contribution is a one-off charge per house, which were built within an area falling mostly into Felstead Parish, as far as Uttlesford is involved. It doesn't include houses that were permitted before the scheme was adopted. The tariff per dwelling is £122.30, and the consultation will be carried out on behalf of the 11 planning authorities by place services, part of the, of the commercial arm of Essex County Council. So the recommendations before Cabinet are that the Essex Coast recreational avoidance and mitigation strategy document be adopted um, that cabinet approves the Essex Coast supplementary planning document for consultation and authorises the assistant director planning to agree minor changes to the consultation document should it be necessary prior to consultation and to approve the necessary consultation document Thank you Mr Harborough questions, comments, Councillor Barker um, Chairman, I read this with some... Well, I'm glad it's not my item, actually. Um, if we adopt this, does this just apply to anywhere within 22 miles or 22 kilometres, whatever it was, of the nearest river or whatever it is? Because, actually, if we thought about it in the pram process, we should have had this for Hatfield Forest or the Flitch Way, both of which are really suffering from increasing houses and needing increasing maintenance. Now, the Essex coast, you know, the longest coastline, the longest tidal coastline. Um, 
you know, it is a long way from Felsted. And the fact that, you know, somebody might take a drive out to Brightling and say, well, sure, but they might from my house too. They do fairly often. Um, so I would just like to understand if by adopting this, we are saying everywhere in Ottlesford is covered by this, or are we doing the sort of walking to school thing? No, no, I believe, I believe there is a strict geographic um, restriction on this. It is largely in the south of Felstead, yes. And you will be aware that this is, of course, only a, um, a further effectively um, Section 1 and 6 type agreement for house builders, so there's no question of, of residents paying, paying for that. The question I would ask, yes. as the local plan progresses, would it be possible to look at extending such a thing to other sensitive areas? I, I think it's an excellent idea. It might be a tad late for this current uh, plan. Maybe, maybe uh, not. Mr. Harbour. There's a similar scheme uh, which has been developed, uh, as I'm sure Councillor Barker knows, in respect of um, Epping Forest. Uh, but Uttlesford is far enough away uh, not to be uh, caught by that. Um, the scheme applies to, to sites which have European status. Uh, and, of course, the Flitchway and Hatfield Forest doesn't actually have that status, which is why, as yet, no scheme has been proposed. But I think um, Natural England is interested in looking at whether or not it would be possible to introduce a scheme for Happy Forest. Any further, further questions? As I said, it is, a, it is a strange item and it's an incredibly comprehensive one and we're expected to run the... Um, uh, well, Hat Hatfield Forest is another issue. We're looking at the, at the coastal mitigation strategy at the moment. Any, any further comments on that? Okay. Thank you. The recommendations are under 8, 9, and 10 of the um, paper. Um, can I have a proposal on that? I will propose it from the chair that we, um, we adopt the recommendations in rate 9 and 10. Can I have a seconder? <laughs> hmm? Um, okay, we don't have a seconder. That, uh, those recommendations are not adopted. Thank you. Um, okay, item, item 16 then is appointment to the Museum Management Working Group, of which uh, we're considering the appointment of Councillor Gregory. Could I just check that Councillor Gregory is very happy for his name to go forward? I wouldn't say he's happy, but he's been instructed by his group leader very clearly. <laughs> in, which, in which case, I will uh, propose the excellent appointment of Mr. Gregory to the Museum Management Working Group. Could I have a seconder for that? Seconder, Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you. All those in favour? Carried. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to defer item 17, and then we have a little bit of background work still to do on that. So, in fact, that completes Cabinet at um, approximately 8.03. Thank you very much. <laughs>